We begin a new series this morning about uh, the road to Jerusalem, and over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the actual events that happened to Jesus while he was literally walking the road to Jerusalem and to the cross. And uh, the scripture this morning I'd like to read is in Luke chapter 9. As the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. There was a man who uh, called a doctor one night. It was an absolutely terrible storm going on outside. And he called the doctor and said, my wife is sick. Could you please come to the house and take a look at her? And uh, the doctor said, well, I would be happy to, but my car's broken. It's in the shop. You'll have to come and get me. And there was silence for a little while. And then he heard the husband say, you want me to come out in a night like this? <laughs> Which uh, is sometimes kind of the way we relate to God, because we're always asking God to do things for us and to do these things. And then God asks us for th something. And we're kind of like, uh, on a night like this? Are you, are you sure? And uh, that's kind of what this uh, story is about today, about those people who wanted to follow Jesus and what it would cost them. Uh, th this section of Luke's gospel is different than, than the rest of the book because as we just read in that, that one of the first verses, Jesus resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. And so Jesus is, is now walking the road up to Jerusalem and he knows what's gonna happen when he gets to Jerusalem. He knows that there, there'll be a cross. And so everything, all of these events that happen along the way kind of fall under the shadow of this cross. And I think it's interesting how Luke organizes all these stories around Jesus' journey into Jerusalem. You know, Luke is the same person who wrote the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, he arranged all the stories around Paul's journeys and travels. And so Luke seems to like to do that. He likes to tell the stories within the story of where a person is going. And so Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And uh, some of the parables that you only find in Luke's gospel happen uh, along the road. Uh, the prodigal son, the parable of the Good Samaritan. These things all happen as Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem. So um, the journey begins with rejection. Uh, Jesus is going to go into a Samaritan village, but the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. Uh, they hate each other, and it's a, it, the hatred is both racial and religious. And it says that they, when they found out Jesus was going to Jerusalem, they wouldn't let him come in. 
Because they figured if Jesus was going to go with those Jews in Jerusalem, they didn't, then they didn't want any part of him. If that's who his friends were, he couldn't stay with them. Now, most Jewish people wouldn't even go through Samaria anyway. They would go the long way around just to avoid it. But Jesus wanted to go through, and he wanted to stay there. But they, you know, if you're a friend of those temple-worshiping Jews, then you're no friend of ours. And they told him no. Told his disciples, tell him he can't stay here. You guys get out of here. Well, it made his, his disciples angry. And uh, James and John, um, you know, uh, apparently had a testosterone surge. And uh, they said, Lord, let's call down fire from heaven. That'll teach them. Uh, tell us we can't stay here. And uh, of course, um, you know, I think that it wasn't just Jesus they were defending, though, truth be known. I think when they said, you guys can't come here, you're going to stung them a little too. So they weren't just wanting to get back for Jesus. They wanted to get back at them for doing that to them. And uh, of course, they could find a Bible verse to support their desire for destruction. You always can. Um, there was a time back in the day when Elijah called down fire from heaven to destroy the priests the priest of Baal. And so they said, well, Jesus, see, look, say the Bible. Let's do it. Elijah did it, let's do it. It's, it's interesting. Sometimes we forget that not everything in the Bible is meant to be repeated. And uh, I agree with Fred Craddock who wrote, is it not interesting how the mind can grasp and hold those scriptures which seem to bless our worst behavior and yet cannot retain past the sanctuary door those texts which summon us to love, forgiveness, and mercy? <laughs> End quote. It's in the Bible, Jesus. You can call down fire from heaven. It's right here. Joseph, Mary is not married to you and she's pregnant. The Bible says stoner. It's right here. Now, I know it seems harsh, but you know, we have, to, we have to love the sinner, but we have to hate the sin. Can't go soft on sin. It's right here, Jesus. It's in the Bible. Let's do this. I'm so thankful for all the other stories in the Bible that tell us of people who decided to follow God's example of love and grace and forgiveness and I'm thankful for all those stories. And in the scriptures, when people are guided by God's love, instead of just finding in the Bible um, an excuse for doing harm to other people. And so Jesus said no. He turned them down. We're not going to do any retribution. Uh, we're not going to send fire from heaven. Uh, and if they thought that this rejection from the Samaritans stung, boy, Jesus gave them an earful. And... Uh, he let them know this isn't how we do things. This isn't the way of Christ and isn't the way of his followers. And you know, I'm, I'm amazed today that, you know, we followers of Jesus, we still make the same mistake. We feel rejected by our culture because our culture has rejected Christ and the church, you know, doesn't have the power and the say-so in the culture today that it used to have. And so we feel rejected by that, and, and, and not just for Jesus, but the truth is it kind of stings us too. And so for a lot of people, the response is to fight back, you know? Take it back. Make people obey and respect God again like the way we remember they used to. 
And then we find scripture that backs up our desire for vengeance and our desire to inflict harm on those we disagree with or are afraid of or don't understand. We call it righteous indignation. We call it taking a stand for God. And Jesus says, no. We will love them instead. The way that we respond to those who reject us is by loving them even though they reject us. That's how we change the culture around us. Not by calling down fire from heaven, but by loving even those who reject us. As a matter of fact, Jesus had already given them instruction that if someone doesn't want you in their village, then he said, just shake the dust off your sandals and go on. No fire, no revenge, just go on. As Christians, I think, you know, it's important to renew that understanding that that's how it works. Um, you know, sometimes we come up with these tactics that seem to work in the short run, but love is the only thing that works in the long run. And you know, I have people, I've had people tell me this. They've, they've said, now, now preacher, <laughs> that love stuff, that works at church, you know, down there with those church folks. But let me tell you, I hear in the real world, Sometimes you just got to be nasty. And sometimes you got to do things that, that are harsh to people. And sometimes you have, to, you have to not always be truthful. And you have to do whatever you can do to win. Because that's how it is out here in the real world. You know, the whip that they beat Jesus with was a real whip. And the nails they drove through his arms, they were real but so was his love. Now Caesar Tiberius was the ruler of an empire that held control over people by using violence and fear. And he, he run his empire that way. But there isn't a person in this room who could tell me the birthday of Caesar Tiberius. And yet everybody here knows the day we celebrate is the birth of a nonviolent carpenter whose only tool he used was love. The Roman Empire no longer exists. And yet every single day someone's life is changed by the love of Jesus. So when people tell me love doesn't work in the real world, I always say love is the only thing that works in the real world. It's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing that changes lives. Now, the, the problem is that love usually requires some suffering, and we don't like to suffer because it's easier to just go along with violence and power than it is to stand up to it and suffer. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that one of the reasons Christians failed to see the evil the Nazis represented was that pain had become a stranger to them. So they went along with the powers that be so as not to suffer or experience pain. And in the end, it led to a greater suffering than anyone could imagine. So the bottom line is this, is that if we follow Jesus, we will face rejection. And that's okay. Our goal then is to love those who reject us. Our goal is to help them see the love of Christ and how we continue to treat them. That's the way of Jesus.
And so after this exchange, then they just keep walking down this road toward Jerusalem, and Jesus is looking ahead. He sees the destination. He sees the cross. He knows what's going to happen. And as he walks along, someone calls out to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And I'm sure he meant well. But Jesus is thinking, this guy has no idea where I'm going. <laughs> he has no idea what is going to happen when we get there. And so Jesus responds and he says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, are you sure? I'm homeless. I don't have anything. Are you sure you want to follow me? This is going to be harder than you think at first. And then Jesus said to somebody, follow me. And the man responded, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. That's a reasonable request. But Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Then someone else said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go say farewell to those in my home. Again, a reasonable request. But Jesus responds, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I believe Jesus failed that course in marketing, you know? <laughs> this isn't how you convince people to come be a part of your tribe, you know, by telling them how hard it's going to be. But that's what he does while he's walking the road to Jerusalem. There are other times when he talks about the joy and the all the, the wonder that comes with following God, but on this road, he's talking about a cross. And he tells them this is not going to be an easy path. Jesus is completely committed to doing what God wants. And he wants all those people who are going to follow him to know that they need to be the same. Completely committed to what God wants. Now, through the years... The message of Jesus has gotten diluted. And I don't think we meant to water it down. I think we meant well. But I don't know about you, but the church I grew up in, I was told this. You have to choose between Jesus and hell. You follow Jesus, you go to hell, you have to choose. Well, Jesus or hell. I'll choose Jesus. I mean, this is not rocket science. And so everybody chooses Jesus. Except the Bible never said to choose Jesus or hell. The Bible said to choose Jesus over our own self-sufficiency. Choose Jesus over our own desire of wanting to rule our own lives and do things the way we want to do it. Choose Jesus over the things we love the most. See, now that's a different, um, that's a, that's a different decision now. Because instead of choosing Jesus over what we fear, we choose Jesus over what we love. And that takes a lot more commitment. At the annual conference a couple of years ago, Bishop Will Willeman said, I'm sorry if someone told you that Jesus came to make your life easy. <laughs> because he came to send us on mission. And how true that is. So the dust on the road is stirred up now. And one thing is clear. Following Jesus is going to cost us something. Following Jesus is not going to be easy. There's going to be times when it's going to really be difficult. It's not going to be something we can casually do. 
but it's going to have to be something that we're committed to. I read um, not too long ago that the unofficial motto of the United States Coast Guard is you have to go out, you don't have to come back. Well, I got a lump in my throat when I read that. You have to go out, you don't have to come back. Now, if I'm lost at sea, that's who I want looking for me. <laughs> I want the people whose motto is you have to go out, you don't have to come back. I don't want the guy whose motto is we'll look for you when it stops raining. You know, I want the people who are committed to go on mission and find me. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us in these opening stories that we read this morning. As he goes walking down that road to Jerusalem, fully committed to what lies ahead, that he asks those of us who follow him that we have the same attitude, that we are fully committed all gas, no brakes, to following Jesus wherever he goes and doing whatever he asks us to do. And we will face rejection, but we will handle that rejection with love. And we move ahead and we don't look back, but we move forward to be the people God has called us to be and do the things that God has called us to do with no violence, no vengeance, just love that changes lives. So there he goes, walking down the road, and Jesus calls us to follow him. And there is just one proper response, and that response is yes, yes.